When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Back to the same old place, sweet home, Chicago. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Bears Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Hassan, joined, as always, by Kevin Lapka and Chris Nano. We're going to do an episode today on the week leading into the season. We have some roster cuts, some ads, depth chart to talk about, and we finally have a quote-unquote winner for the QB competition that Kevin wants to jam down our throats. So (laughs) we'll talk about that for a second. Um, Probably more than a second, obviously, but a lot of stuff to get into before we start talking about the week one matchup and the full season preview later in the week. So that being said, let's talk about it. Starting with the QB competition, Kevin, you are very excited to, like I said, jam this down our throats. So I will give you the reins here before me and Chris make our counterpoints. Well, I mean, I've been saying it since March. I just got to throw it out there. I've been saying it since March. Mitch is going to be the quarterback. I've been saying it six months, and people have been giving me so much shit. So I got to say, this it feels a little good, all right? I, I can't lie. It feels a little good for me. But look, I, I'm just going to lead off with this, and then we can get to your counterpoints. This summer, the Bulls had the documentary called The Last Dance, right? The Last Dance, it was, it was the talk of the summer, big documentary, all the titles, Jordan, all that, right? In 20 years, we're all going to be tuning into ESPN for a brand new documentary called The Last Chance, where Mitchell Trubisky lights up the league in 2020 and wins the damn Super Bowl for the Chicago Bears. I've envisioned it. I can't unsee it. It's happening. The Last Chance. He's got the the, the keys to the car. He he's it, it's go time now. And and now Jake, I'm I'm not. I don't want to rub it in. I don't because Jake was the Foles guy, and you know I I get it. I get it, but Mitch is the guy, Foles is the backup. At, at least acknowledge, at least acknowledge Mitch won the job. And we can all be Bears fans now. No more arguing, no more fighting. We're all just Bears fans. Week one is six days away. It's all good now. But Mitch has the reins, and, and let's go. I, I'm fine with him having the reins. And I was never a Foles guy. I was just a – I was more in on Foles <laughs> and because I just – you know, the the tape was there, but sure, Mitch won it. I'd venture to, I wouldn't venture to say won it. I would venture to say didn't lose it, uh, which is not the same thing. But, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's starting off against the Lions is good. I, I'm fine with that because Mitch is 3-0 and against the Lions, and that's a good start. It's a good jumping off point for this season. So, yeah, fine. If he can, if he can make the most of this last chance, as you put it, that, great. Awesome. I'm all in on that. But I'm just saying it's going to be a very, very short leash. So, you know, I, 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 I'm not jumping for joy at Mitch being like, oh, he won it. Yes, this is it. Here we go. Yeah. He's finally there. He just, it, to me, and from everything that we've seen of all the reporters reporting out of camp, he just didn't lose it, which is just more saying that, Foles was also underwhelming, which is also concerning because, like I said, when we had Adam Abdella on the podcast in our last episode, you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. And it, and Adam agreed with me. And it's just a scary thing because you have this short leash, but who's behind him? Oh, Nick Foles, who you traded for, but couldn't come and win the job. So that's more concerning. But like you said, we're all Bears fans now. Let's see how it goes. I hope Mitch can you know make the most of this, but I, my expectations aren't high. Yeah, um, man, if only uh, if only there was a guy available this 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 offseason that the Bears could have signed oh, and, avo- and avoided all this. But uh, anyway, back to Mitch. Um, you know, th- this whole Mitch versus Foles thing w- was 
to me, it was always more about just seeing the progression and not so much who wins the job. Because here's the thing. It's whether Mitch is starting or Foles is starting, is the offense going to look that much different in terms of um, quality? Because I really don't think so. I think the offense is going to move just about the same. You're going to get the same type of production from, from you know, the, the wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. I think no, nothing changes except the quarterback, if, if you guys get what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. So to me, it was – it really – I would have preferred Foles, yes. But to me, it doesn't matter all that much. Um, I think, you know, it, Mitch is our quarterback. That's who the guy is. Um, you know, and, and the funny thing is I've seen so many people just, like, complain about about Trubisky starting. And it's like coming into this, we knew it was either Mitch or Foles, and Mitch had a very good chance of winning the job. So I don't really get why it's all of a sudden turning into, like, a Mitch bashing once again. But, um, you know, I, I just want to say this. I feel like we say this every year. Just because people don't think Trubisky is good does not mean they're rooting for him to fail. Let's just clear yeah. the air with that because it's like so many people, like you say Mitch hasn't been that good and all you see is a bunch of people saying, oh, don't, you know, don't come back when he's balling out. It's like, what, am I going to be, am I going to be mad that my quarterback's <laughs> balling out? Like, you want me to be a, oh, no, boo-hoo, my quarterback's playing well. Like, you get what I'm saying? It's just, it's just a bunch of silliness with that. So, Mitch is a quarterback, that's who we're riding with. Yeah, it was, when you said it that, doesn't – go ahead. Well, I was just saying that, you know, Josh Lyles, RIP, but, I mean, he's still alive, obviously. But he said on Twitter yesterday that, uh, you know, there's people that think that Pace had a hand in this, in Trubisky winning the job. I don't think that's true. I get where people are coming from with that. I don't think that's true. I think it's just back to what we said of Foles didn't win the job and Trubisky didn't lose it. Obviously, the incumbent was going to have – uh, at least a, a, a slight lead over the new guy coming in. And I think Trubisky, while he didn't wow anybody, he you also didn't hear like he's throwing interceptions every day. So like we did last year. So yeah, it's a step in the right direction. I, I don't think Pace was like, beep, boop, boop. Hey, Nagy, you better start this guy or you're gone. Like it's, I think Trubisky, I don't want to say earned, but like, I don't think there was some behind-the-scenes action that led to Mitch being QB1. Well, I think you're right about the whole, like, he didn't lose it. And that's what I was saying from day one. I mean, really, that's, like, the whole background of my point was that it was Mitch's job to lose. Like, when you signed him back in March, you either thought Foles was going to be, it was Foles' job to lose or Mitch's job to lose. And if it was truly Foles' job to lose, he would have retained and he, he would have been the starter. But it was Mitch's job to lose. He didn't lose it. He didn't wow anybody, but he did just enough, and now he's the starting quarterback. And I think a lot of people who don't like this decision are putting the blame simply on Ryan Pace. Like, oh, he's just, you know, he really wants Mitch Trubisky to pan out. That's all he wants, man. He wants to be right in the end. He knows how bad he screwed up, and he wants to be right. And that's everybody's take for anyone who's pissed off about why Mitch Trubisky is starting. But I just think, you know— this is what my, Ryan Pace said today. And also he said today that he didn't have any contribution into the decision. And obviously any, every GM is going to say that because you're not openly going to say, well, yeah, I mean, I made the decision. But he did say that. And then he said, quote, the moment camp started, the moment he walked in the building, you just felt a different presence and a different mindset. And that just carried throughout camp. And we heard those same words from Cordero Patterson. Right. And that's that's I mean, look, we, how many times have we talked about I could care less about the X's and O's. I could care less about the videos and the throws and uh, sure, some of the mechanics are important, but what's it about for Mitch Trubisky? What's the one word? It's confidence. And if he showed up to camp this year with a lot more confidence than he did in 2019, that to me is enough for me to believe that he could have a season like he had in 2018, which is really all the Bears need. I mean, that, that's I would I mean, come on, that's that's all we need. Right. What he did in 2018. That's all we need for the Bears to win the Super Bowl. Right. Can you can we agree on that? Because yeah. we always say, oh, that team could have won the Super Bowl. If, if the if the double doink didn't happen, we could have won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, what, 3,223 yards, 66.6 completion percentage, 24 touchdowns. That's what they need, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, And arguably, you have a better team now, too. Yeah. And you, yes, you arguably, it. now you have a tight end. You have more than one receiver. You have a well-rounded running backs room. And you have probably a wash for an offensive line, but you have a better defense for sure. You have a second safety and another pass rusher. And so, yeah, I mean, you're arguably a better team than you were that year too. So uh, yeah, I think that's completely fair. Yeah. 
And uh, like, I just want to hit on one thing. So, I mean, Jake is hundred percent right about the whole, you know, everybody wants to be a conspiracy theorist once stuff like this, you know, happens. But, um, you, and, and I, I don't agree that pace was, you know, like, Oh, Mitch Trubisky has to start or, you know, it's the end all be all, but, um, it, it's, it's more of like, do you, I want to ask you guys this. Do you guys think they brought in Foles because they knew it would be easier for Mitch to win the job as opposed to a guy like Cam Newton? No, no, not at all. No, you're not. You're not trading a fourth round pick and taking on that much money just for just so you can make Mitch feel better about himself. No shot in hell. So you think you think they just chose the Nick Foles route because they believed he was the best suited for the job? Yeah, I mean, I think they chose Foles because that someone I mean, look, at again, we brought it up with Adam. Look at what they did with the offensive staff. They brought in people who he's worked with like there's. Yeah. There's people they brought him in because they had this offensive system tailored to him. He had had success in that system and he was the one who wouldn't outright beat Mitch, but he wouldn't outright lose to Mitch either yeah. because I mean you bring in uh Case Keenum or you bring in Joe Flacco, Mitch is winning that competition. You bring in someone yeah. with Foles who is close enough to that level or he is just on that same tier as Mitch where it's a real competition and no matter who wins, despite, you know, Mitch's draft pick and despite what you gave up for Foles, no matter who wins, you can say, okay, they won or in this situation, they didn't lose the competition. And yeah. then you have a backup who you're still confident in. Yeah. The, the thing is with the whole, um, like just to kind of, you know, argue against my own, own thing. It, it's, it's more of like, I don't get how people think Pace, um, you know, made this decision because it's like he got clowned for trading that fourth round pick for Nick Foles. So either way, it was like, you know, if if Mitch won the job, it's like, oh, he traded a fourth rounder for a backup. If Foles wins, it's like, oh, he just you know, gave up on his on the second overall pick. So it's like, you know, yeah. that's mainly the reason why I just don't. I, everybody I don't, wants to be a conspiracy theorist, you know, yep. so I, I don't know. Yeah, that one makes no sense to me at all. And we talked about that with Adam, right? We talked yeah. about, you know, yeah. both sides of that coin and how it doesn't play to his favor. He has no say in it. And yeah. I truly do believe what he said today was true, that Matt Nagy, you know, made the decision and completely made the decision. And if that is the case, then how can how can you argue against that? Like we always say, I mean, Adam last time said, you know, Matt Nagy just doesn't like Mitch Trubisky because he doesn't play to his system. And, you know, it's uh, what was he saying? Like this guy could be a NASCAR driver driving a Prius, right? That was kind of the analogy he made. But now he's the one choosing Mitch. I think that says a lot. And and just about the whole thing in general. And I'm starting to be more confident about this because, look, Nick Foles thrives in his role as a backup. We know that. The only time he's had successes in career is when he comes when he's the lifeline, when he comes in as a replacement. <laughs> so think about like think about it this way. If if Nick Foles was the starter, would you be more comfortable with that situation if Foles goes out and then Mitch has to be the lifeline or more comfortable that Mitch does poorly and then Foles is the lifeline? Like just in general, that is the better scenario because of the history of both of those players. We know Nick Foles has never done it as a starter for a full season. So, like, Foles has been there, done that. He's best in those situations. It plays to the strengths of both players. You know, Mitch Mitch simply can't meet those, wouldn't be able to meet the moment if he was asked to come in. You know, the Bears are 3-3, three and three, save the season. Mitch can't meet the moment. Can Foles meet the moment? Yes, I think he can. So I think this is the best overall situation for the Bears, just looking at it from that perspective. And I think that's something not a lot of Bears fans take into account. Yeah. And, like, the whole thing with, like, the, the, a QB switch, you know, the more I think about it, like, do you think um, do you think about what you just brought up of how Nick Foles is better, you know, as a backup, this and that, as a lifeline? Do you think that's a mental thing, or, or why do you think that is? Like, do you think why do you think be, Nick Foles is better as a backup? Yeah, like why do you think we've seen him have success as a backup and not really have success as a starter? I honestly couldn't tell you. I don't know enough about Nick Foles to tell you that it could be a mental thing. I'm just going based off of the history, right? I mean, anytime he's had success, it's just oh, you know what, Nick Foles, our you know starting quarterback went down. Can you come in and save the season? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll come in and save the season. Maybe he can't meet the pressure of being the true franchise quarterback of a team. I don't know, but just from what we've seen in history, as a starter throughout a season, not good. As a backup, Super Bowl champion. So, Jake, I don't know if you have any other idea why that is, but based off of history, we know that's true. 
Oh, I think the answer is kind of simple, actually. I think it's just the staff. You know, that first that first successful yeah. run in Philadelphia, he had this staff where some of them are on the Bears now, and then he has the success. You know, 27 touchdowns and, what what is it, two interceptions or something like that? And he was great. He looks like yeah. a franchise quarterback. He goes to St. Louis and plays for Jeff Fisher. How many quarterbacks did Jeff Fisher ruin? Like, I mean, you know, so yeah. then, okay, then he, he gets bounced from St. Louis to Kansas City as a backup and Andy Reid system, again, kind of better, but still not great because at that time, Kansas City was in a transition period with their offense. They didn't have a Travis Kelsey. They didn't have a Patrick Mahomes. They didn't have a Tyreek Hill. So that I mean, that was, what, five years ago? So that's a way different time for them, too. And then he goes back to Philadelphia with this new, again, a new system that's then tailored kind of for him. And he has success. And they're this high-powered offense. And he has success. So then he goes to Jacksonville, and as we know, Jacksonville is a crapshoot for quarterbacks as well. So I think it's just the system. And now here you are. You have, yeah. So I think you could see the same thing because we know we've seen Mitch get injured each of the last two years for extended periods of time, extended weeks. Um, so I think there's a system in place for if Mitch does go down for three or four weeks again, you're going to see Foles come in and be comfortable because they're going to say, all right, Let's do what we did with you last time when you came in and you had the system and you had these guys. Because, I mean, look at the situation in Philadelphia from that Super Bowl. You have the tight ends. You have, I mean, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet or Zach Ertz. Obviously, that yeah. is not true. But you have one guy with a track record of that kind of success in Jimmy Graham. You have someone who has that college pedigree who can do it all in Cole Komet. You have better receivers than Philadelphia for sure. You have oh, that Allen yeah. Robinson. You have, uh, yes, so, and then you have, you know, the guy, you have the coaches. So I think, I I think it's a similar situation for him to have success if, and I even venture to say when Mitch does go down for a game or two. And then you don't have to rush him back because it's not Chase Daniel. You don't have to be like, all right, Mitch, we need you back. It's been three weeks and, you know, yeah, we've won two games, but we also could have easily lost those two games. We need you back now because Chase Daniel is not cutting it. We didn't think we'd actually have to play him for this much time. He was just supposed to mentor you. Now you have Foles where it's like, all right, we can let Trubisky rest. We still think he's the best option, but we don't have to rush him back from this shoulder injury that's now going to bother him for the rest of the year. No, that that's a great point. That is a really great point. Um, you know, as long as we get between the two of the between the two quarterbacks, as long as we get some competent QB play, like the bar, we we that's literally we sound like a broken record, but literally the bar is on the floor. The bar isn't the bar is at the gates <laughs> of hell, like right now. You you really don't have to do much, but as long as there's competent QB play. Like, I really think you should be able to get some competent QB play between the two of them. Like, if you can't, then, I mean, it's just, man, like, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Well, but, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like you were saying earlier about how, you know, no matter who it is, like, it doesn't matter because the offense, like, didn't get better. I feel like I disagree with that because I feel like in any case, like, it won't matter because the offense will be better. Like, we have, I would say competent tight ends we have improved tight ends improved tight end room from last year at least and the production we got from them last year all i i believe in this in his second year assuming the offensive line gets right i will believe the running game will be better i mean i i believe the receivers tailor more to matt Nagy's system and what he wants to do and alan robinson's going to be an even better player this year along with anthony miller like i feel like i see your point but the other side of it, like the quarterback doesn't matter as much because the offense got better, not because the offense is going to stay the same as last year. And I don't know. I feel like I'm in the rarity because I feel like a lot of people don't agree with that statement. But like looking at it on paper and seeing the coaching staff they brought in and seeing that a lot of these players are just, you know, getting more years of experience in the league. I don't see how the offense can't be better unless the offensive line is still the worst unit in the league. Yeah, no. Nah. I mean, that is definitely a good point, but it's like, like J.P. Like, Holt was walking onto the field every week. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I get your point. I get your point. But, you know, how many times have we seen a good offense get held back by QB play? It's kind of like, you know, like the, the quarterback yes. still has to, yes. you know, I, I mean, because here's the, here's the bottom line. Like, you're, you're right about how the offense does look better on paper. But I mean, with with how the offense looked like the product last year. Like, 
considering everything, the offense was not as bad on paper as they performed. Like I, I, yeah. I don't care what anyone says. So I think Kevin, I think Kevin's point is you're pulling guys from the practice squad or from the street who have seen the same guys for yeah. the last month, two months while they've been languishing on the, on the practice squad or at home. And then you ask them to go up against Stephen Gilmore or Jalen Ramsey, who the bears both played last year or, you know, or whoever. And then it's like, they're shit in their pants. Like what are they yeah, supposed yeah. to do? So it's like nothing they've ever seen before. So, uh, or Darius Slay or, uh, you know, that Minnesota secondary is also very good. So it just depends. And now I think you have guys who, you know, Cole Komet saw top end competition. Jimmy Graham has been in the league forever, has seen top end competition. So, you know, now you have those guys where you're more confident that they can look those guys across them in the eyes and go, I can beat you. Instead of these guys who are like, yep. I've been practicing against D3 college players for the last month, and yeah. now I'm going against grown men, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, no, so that, that, that's different. 100% true. And, and like, I, I think we can all agree that, you know, as much as we want to bash the quarterback, we've talked about this so much, but it was more than just the quarterback last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. You kind of, you kind of just, yeah. that's kind of what you guys are saying right now, but. Like, so, so I, I think both things can be true. Like, I think the quarterback has to be good. Um, but, you know, it's also a two-way street. Like, the skills players have to help them out. Like, it's just, it's really that simple. It has to be, a, like, it's just a team effort. Because what we saw last year is not going to cut it. And like you said, Kevin, I mean, there's literally no way but up. So if you don't go up this that's year, I exactly think that's really right. concerning. Let me read you a stat right here, and then uh, we can close it up. But since 2018, Mitch Trubisky has a passer rating of 112.94 in games where a tight end goes for at least 40 yards. Wow. Listen to that. At least 40 yards. I mean, we're not talking 80 yards. We're not talking 100. We are talking 40 yards. For Travis Kelsey, that's one play in the first quarter. Same with George Kittle. Like, and, and that's like those are the kinds of stats where I look at, OK, you know, th- why did we invest so heavily into Jimmy Graham? Why did we invest so heavily into our second round pick Cole Komet? I mean, I'm not saying that the, if the Bears don't get 40 yards from their tight end, they're going to lose every game. But those, it just plays into that point that, you know, there are other factors. And it's hard for Bears fans to see that because, it, you know, it's hard for any team to see that because the quarterback is the guy in the field who's supposed to make all the plays. And you can't look past it if he's not playing bad. but those are the kind of things that prevented the Bears from being who they wanted to be last year. And now I feel like they have those pieces in there to kind of run fluidly. So, and I, I, yeah, I, go I, ahead. I want to ask you guys something. If the offense, you know, looks exactly the same as the, as they did in 2018, give or take, you know, the stats a little bit up or down, but mm-hmm. like just in general, if they look, close to what we saw in 2018 is that enough to win yes i mean that's enough to win the super bowl how is it not enough to win the super bowl how is it not enough i mean like to be fair that that running game wasn't terrible that year i mean jordan howard was running well yeah i mean like and i think we have arguably better skill players on offense than we did that year yeah but I mean, it, I mean, again, that defense that year was breaking records as far as the amount of turnovers they got. So I don't know if that we're going to I mean, I think they can, but I don't know if it's reasonable to say they will return yeah. to those insane numbers of turnovers. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, how many times have we said that team could have won the Super Bowl had not said play with including goalpost happened? You know, that team could have won the Super Bowl. So for people to say, oh, like, that's not enough. I don't get that argument because like and, and you talk about that low bar, like. We're not saying that 2018 offense was a top 10 offense. Like maybe they were a top 15, but like, again, you don't need to be a top 10 offense. 3,223 yards, 24 touchdowns from your quarterback. That's all you need to win a Super Bowl. Like Jacksonville in 2017 when Big Borders was their quarterback and they made the AFC Championship. Or like the Bears in 2006 when Rex Grossman was their quarterback and they made the Super Bowl. I mean, come on. We've As Bears fans, we should know that that is a possibility. And that is possible for the Bears to make a run with the type of offense they have. Yeah. Jake? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a better team. He's pondering. He's got something to say. (laughs) It's it's definitely a better team. It's just, I mean, like Chris said, we're just rehashing the same points here. You just got to see the improvement across the board. 
And it's always nice. It's always nice to say, all right, we got better here, 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 and here. But I got to see it. I, yeah, I got to yeah, see yeah. it. And, you know, 100%. week one is six days away against the Lions. I like the matchup. They are a better team. Granted, they got rid of Darius Slay. They've had a couple guys opt out. Um, but they have Stafford, and the Bears haven't seen Stafford that much over the last two years. So is Mitch going to be able to look this guy who's a top 10 quarterback and say, can I keep up with you? Can I, and you know, or, or is he going to be like, defense, please, God, keep me in this game. So it's going to tell us a lot. This first game is going to tell us a lot. And I, I love to say that this is a better team, but until I see the product, I'm not going to confidently say that because I need to see what kind of game plan Nagy is. Because the thing we have ignored too is, yeah, the players have to get better, but Nagy has to get better too yeah, because the play calling yeah. was atrocious last year. Yeah. So, you know, now Montgomery's going to miss the first two games, maybe three. So it's going to be, okay, can you call a better game plan? Can you run the ball? Or is it going to be more of the same? I mean, can you can you call plays that free up Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet or Riley Ridley or someone up the middle while Allen Robinson is streaking? Or are you just going to keep chucking? So it, that's it. I mean, that that's my main point. Nagy has to get better, too. We harp on the players, yes. but it's also on the coaching staff to evolve and get better as well. 100%. 100%. Very well said. All right, shall we get to the depth charts? Let's do it. All right, depth charts came out today, the final 53. This is what we're going to be looking at against the Lions. Not a ton of surprises. Uh, you know, you have there's just some, you know, guys, the depth. I mean, there's nobody who shocks you. Obviously, Allen Robinson, Jimmy Graham, those are your top two wide receivers, tight ends. Uh, Mitch, as we talked about, is the number one QB. Montgomery still listed as the number one RB. Um, we'll see if that happens. Hopefully it does. Um but this was interesting. Riley Ridley is listed as the last wide receiver on this depth chart behind the likes of Javon Wims, Darnell Mooney, and Cordero Patterson. This is interesting because he's a fourth-round pick. Javon Wims obviously was a seventh-rounder. Darnell Mooney's a rookie fifth-rounder. And Cordero Patterson is a freelancer. He's a you know, Swiss Army knife. Um, so what... Do we think of this? I know Chris is pumped because Javon Wims is looks like he's probably the fourth wide receiver here, which is, I mean, decent for him. Fourth or fifth, uh, you know, depending on how long Ted Ginn sticks around or what Corderell Patterson does. But Javon Wims looking like the fourth wide receiver. Pretty good jump for your boy, Chris. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was – that's one of the first things that caught my eye. I was like, Javon Wims listed ahead of Riley Ridley, and all three of us said if it came down to it that Riley Ridley would – you know, mm-hmm. if it came down to who would be cut, it would definitely be Wims and who would be listed higher on the depth chart. And we both I think we all all three of us said Riley Ridley and yes. Javon Wims ended up getting that. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm super happy about it. Uh, I know when, when we talked about it, I think we, we did all say that we believed he would get cut just because of how things were looking. And this was before. Cordero uh, was, you know, the talk of Cordero moving to running back actually was some serious talk. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really happy for him. I still think he's he's talented, man. I, I, I'm i still a Javon Wims believer. I think he can contribute to this team. Um, and, yeah, like he's he's going to be playing with the chip on his shoulder now. He's going to he's still trying to prove people wrong. So um, I, I'm not too worried about Riley Ridley um, being listed where he is right now, because let's be real. I mean, he's. He's a second-year rookie. That's what mm-hmm. he is. Well, yeah. I'm just surprised Mooney is ahead of him. That's what's yes. Eh, I'm not. Well, I'm still surprised Javon is ahead of him. I mean, what, what, like, what has Wim shown? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what they, they haven't really said a lot about what those two guys have done in practice. But I mean, we, we talk about upside, 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 right? Riley Ridley's got all the upside, and Javon Wims got opportunities last year. I, I, will, I, he got opportunities last year, and he did not make the most of those opportunities when he, when he, when they were given to him. So I just, it's, it, to me, it is a little bit concerning because, you, like, yeah, we know Riley Ridley clearly had, you know, a lot of development there. That's the reason he didn't play. He reasoning at seven receptions in 2019. I mean, we knew that this guy was going to kind of be a project, but second year, your fourth round pick is supposed to be a role player. I, 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 he's supposed to be a role player. He's not supposed to be listed behind the rookie fifth rounder. He's not supposed to be listed behind Javon wins the seventh rounder, unless this guy was really, truly, truly, truly a, a bigger work in progress than we thought. 
I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, the the only thing that that's worrying to me is the fact that like, like I, I don't have too many problems with him being listed where he where he is, like like I just said. But it's it's more of like, I feel like we've heard nothing about Riley Ridley like this entire yeah, yeah. off season. But you know, have and, we heard anything about Javon Wims here? I mean, no, no, and like. I don't know. Like, it's just, it, it's, it's just weird. Like, it's weird. I, I feel like we've heard about Ginn a lot. We've definitely heard about Mooney a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Cordero, we've heard a lot because of the position change talk and all that. And then obviously Miller and, and, and A-Rob, or Miller and A-Rob. But it's just like this whole Wims and Ridley thing is just kind of like, it, it's almost like they're hiding something. And, and, yeah. and you know, I don't want to speculate too much because, you know, I, I, I'm doing just that, just speculating. But... <laughs> It, it's it's just it's just odd it's odd and i that's why i'm not concerned because i feel like there's something there um but like i said i'm just thinking out loud right now i don't know i'm not too concerned yet i think it here's is my, here's my thing yeah chris i think you touched it you very briefly you you were very close to it i think the conversations haven't been around the wide receiver room all this time in these open practices it's been quarterback 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 oh yeah. also right guard because you have a hole there Nobody's really talked about the receivers outside of Cordero Patterson because then when we started to talk about the skill positions, Montgomery went down and that took all the headlines and and then that became the conversation. So I don't think that they're hiding something. I just think that there's been a lack of inquisition into that position. So, and and the thing is, I mean, practices have been closed for what a week now, five days now. So I, I think that, you know, maybe these guys have been showing stuff on those backfields that because the media hasn't been there either. Yeah. So, you know, we haven't been able to see. So there might be some work that we haven't seen because I actually disagree with Kevin. I think Wim showed enough toward giving him more opportunities because he did get yeah. hurt. So that kind of you know, that kind of cut his opportunity short last year. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what he's got. I mean, I, I, I think I, I think there's some talent there, like Chris said. Yeah, here's my here's my rebuttal to the whole thing about Javon Wims. It's like, okay, let's look back at the offense last year. There was one good player on the offense last year. Let, let's just <laughs> say it how it how it was. So I mean, like, I'm not really, because if you want to play that game with Wims, then we can say that about Miller too. Up until the last couple games, sure. I mean, and we you can say David Montgomery didn't look good, and we know it's not his fault. But technically, it's like. You know, I, I'm just not putting too much stock into last season just because it was a shit show altogether. Um, and, and in the past, I feel like we've seen enough from Wims. Like Jake said, you know, he's made some plays. He's made some plays. And, you know, there, there's something there. I truly do believe that. I will say I do think we talked about Mooney a little bit. I think it's encouraging. I think it's exciting to see that because I think Matt yeah. Nagy really likes Darna Mooney. And I think it's just an indication of, like, He's going to fit in this system and he's going to thrive in this system. Like we talk about that deep uh, ball stretcher of the field, like Darno Mooney's that guy. And to see him there, like we were like, we were wondering like, why is Riley Ridley behind him? I think it's more of like, we shouldn't look at it as why is Riley Ridley there, but more of, okay, this is good that Darno Mooney is there because sure. we need, like, I, quite frankly, we're going to need him to be like, what was our over under for him? I think it was like, 250 300 yards something like that when we did our over under episode and yeah. and seeing him there like again if if you like get a few deep bombs from him like he's close to that number so sure. I'm, I'm i'm really excited for darnell moon i think i think this is going to be big yeah and, and by big i mean like 400 yards but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no and and that's kind of what i was hinting at uh when when you were talking about the being concerned about riley ridley it's like there's also another side to it because yeah darnell mooney is ahead of him but I mean, I feel like we've heard it hasn't we haven't heard much about him, but everything yeah. we've heard about Mooney, I feel like has been really, really good. Um, they're talk, talking about him being he's absolutely electric. And, you know, that's that's somebody who can definitely contribute to this offense. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried yet. I, I'm still hopeful for Riley Ridley. I think he'll come around. Uh, all right. Moving on, the offensive line, basically chalk. You still have all the guys from last year, but. It appears that Jermaine Effetti won the right guard competition. Um, yeah. You know, the offensive line had some issues last year. Uh, you know, they were struggling to open holes for, you know, whoever was back there, whether that had been Tariq Cohen or Mike Davis or whoever, um, it, David Montgomery. So you're expecting better. You know, you're expecting better help for, uh, health from Massey and from Lino. Uh, you're expecting an improved James Daniels now uh, in his third year. Right. 
Third year for James Daniels um, at guard. Again, white hair still at center, which I think is the right move. Yes. White hair seems more comfortable at center. And I think Daniels, he, it looked like he bulked up an, a lot. So uh, I think he'll be good at guard. Um, but Effetti, former first rounder, what do we think? I mean, the offensive line, you absolutely need better protection from them this year. Your thoughts? Man, I'm just, I'm just not sold on Effetti. He mm-hmm. he's I've seen so many bad plays from Ifedi in the past that like I just can't get him out of my head. So like he's just got to go out and prove that he can. Be. Well, you ha- you have to factor in the Juan Castillo factor. Yeah, but you have to hope the coach can make his players better. Yeah, but let let's he, the coach can only do so much. It, it, I mean, if Jermaine well, it's better. Ifedi, my my point being, it's better than Highstand, who was clearly in over his head at the NFL level sure. last year, went back down to the college level, and now you have Castillo, who has a track record of success in the NFL. That's true. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. But you know, it, it, and and I and that's the only reason why I am hopeful because of Juan Castillo coming in. Um, but it's just like, man, I, I'm I'm really happy they. They uh, they were able to to get a couple of guys, you know, just in case, because if he doesn't work out, I mean, there are some guys there that could possibly work. Um, so, I mean, I'm I'm just hoping he doesn't I'm just hoping he's not a liability. That's where I'm at with it. My like I'm not even, you know, kind of like what we talked about, the QBs, just be competent. Don't you don't have to be a Pro Bowl level guard. Just don't <laughs> screw things up. Sure. That's could that's he could he be more of a liability than Rashad Coward though? I mean, that's the way I'm looking at it. Like you have Rashad Coward or, or Jim Jamarian Fetty. Are you really taking Coward over Efetti? Uh, like I'm not. Like that I, is the, that's the way you have to look at it. But I mean, Efetti <laughs> Efetti's past is I know. pretty bad. Like, I I mean I look at it this way. I think Efetti's better than a one-legged Kyle Long, which is basically what yeah. you had the last two years. Fair. So Fair. I, I think he's better than that. I mean, you have a guy who's healthy yeah. and who has that first-round pedigree, and you know you hope that this new coach who has a track record of success can lift him up to that. Just be a wash. Just be a net wash. Yeah. Like yeah, that's no, all you want. Hundred percent. That's. I think that's really all that's expected. Like it, nobody's asking him to be a pro bowler. So, right. um, I mean, he just has to go out there and do his job. That's really it. Sure. Let me um, tell you the most important thing about the offensive line real quick before we move on. The fact that we know who the starting center is, we know where Cody Whitehair yep. is, and we know where James Daniel is. Yep. Most important Huge. thing. A week before the season last year, we were saying, is it going to be Whitehair? Is it going to be Daniels? The fact that we didn't know that, I think, was a lot more concerning at the time than we thought. Yeah. And now, and we, and we talked about, and like, every week, we're like, oh, like, Whitehair hasn't been very good, so we switched to Daniels. Like, you cannot have that. Like, you yep. cannot have that. Chemistry is so important. It's so crucial. I don't know why we didn't talk about that enough. I mean, I think we did, but... People didn't talk about enough how that may have impacted that line. It's all about continuity. It's all about getting your guys in the right spots. I think Whitehair is the better center. He's got chemistry with Mitch Trubisky. They hang out all the time. They grill together. They do whatever. I haven't heard anything bad about his snaps this uh, preseason or this offseason, which was an issue in the past, was his snapping. And that's why he was kind of even being questioned to move to a different position. So I think that we have a set offensive line in place. It's going to stay this way for 16 games. That to me is very, very, very encouraging. And I think people should be focusing on that. Yeah. yeah agreed. I think that, that's a great point. I also just want to point out on the offensive line before we move on, Alex Barr's earning the backup guard spot is, I mean, I'm, it's impressive. I'm not going to say it's not impressive sure. from practice squad. You know, he played at Notre Dame. You, We've heard good things about him for what, a year and a half now. So credit to him uh, if he does come in at some point. I mean, obviously you hope for no injuries, but if we do see him at some point, I'm, I'm interested to see how he holds his own because, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. They obviously didn't feel the need to sign somebody. And then our guy, you know, Arlington Hambright also made the roster. He's the third offensive lineman. So uh, good for him, obviously. And last thing on the offense that I think we should talk about, Ryan Nall gets the third running back spot. Uh, over Artavis Pierce, which was interesting. Josh Lyles was all over Pierce. But I think Nall's earned it. I think he's that blocking guy. He's that guy that can get those one-yard gains, just full head of steam. Uh, he's a short, just built guy. So, yeah, I mean, if you got to have Akeem Hicks throw him into the end zone or some kind of trick play like that, I'll take it. Like, I, I think he has value as a blocker and just kind of a bulldog-type player. Um, 
just don't give him any carries, please. Yeah. <laughs> he can he can have a role. Just please. Just I, I'm not really trying to mess around with Ryan all getting carries. Like we're we're we're, we're beyond that. Right. Do you guys remember? Yeah. Do, do you guys remember Taquan Mazel? Oh jeez! Good God! For whatever reason, they just kept trying to give him carries, like at random times, like just hoping. I don't know. Like and then break out. and then Mike Davis couldn't get a carry to save his life last year. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's just like, ugh. Like everything after Cohen has just been such a mess, like sure. for such a long time. And, and granted, we're talking about an RB three, so I mean, right. we're yeah. we're we're doing the most definitely. But um, I'm just not too high on Ryan now. I, I just sure. don't think he's a great running back. But, you know, if they felt like he has value, then, you know, it is what it is. So Ryan Nall is a bear, and he's got a fan in me if he's on the Bears. So <laughs> There you go. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm worried. I mean, how do you look at that and just – okay, well, first of all, Cordero Patterson's listing as a, as a wide receiver, which I think he just has to be because – Sure. They're not, you know, they're not going to carry, you know, they ju- just the way they list it. But, like, yeah. okay, Tariq Cohen, like, yeah, I, I still have a little bit of interest in Tariq Cohen if they use him the right way. But, like, week one, you're rolling out there with Tariq Cohen, and if Tariq Cohen gets tired on third down, you're bringing out Ryan Nall. Like, you have to, you understand that that's going to be the situation, right? Like, sure. the, the way this depth chart is played out, we don't know about Cordero Patterson. The way this depth chart is played out, if Tariq Cohen gets tired on the first three, uh, first two downs, and they say, okay, third down and two, we need a guy. They're bringing in Ryan Nall. Like, that concerns me. And I, like, it wasn't, you didn't really, again, like, this whole thing was clouded because of Cordero Patterson. And, oh, Cordero Patterson, the running back. Great. Like, this is awesome. And I, I mean, they're still going to use him that way. I hope they do. I hope they do. But, like, on third down, third and two, is, like, Cordero Patterson going to be the running back? Like, I don't know. I And, and that really, really worries me. So sure. I, I have a little bit of optimism about Tariq Cohen because I, I truly do believe in my heart Tariq Cohen is a good player. I do believe that, and I know people don't agree with me on that. I do think he is a very talented player. But you look at that for at least the first two weeks, right? As long as Montgomery is out, your RB2 is Ryan Nall. Your RB2 is Ryan Nall. And that, just that blanket statement right there, does not make anyone excited. Yeah, right. and and to be fair, like before this whole David Montgomery thing happened, I remember very vividly on this podcast we were all in favor of signing another running back even before that happened, just because we believed it was so thin behind him. Um, and now he goes down, and you still don't address it. Like I don't know, I'm I'm definitely with Kevin here. Like I I just I. I I just don't feel – I don't trust Ryan Null. I don't think – I, I that's not really the guy that – Well, know, how can you trust him? Right. <laughs> he, he doesn't strike fear into opponents. Like, I mean, what, Tariq <laughs> Cohen needs a breather and you put in Ryan Null? Like, we're just going to tackle this guy low and he'll be on, on his butt. That simple. <laughs> It's kind of weird. So, I, I mean, I'm just thinking about it like, look, Muhammad Sanu, available. Devonta Freeman, available. LaShawn McCoy, available. Leonard Fournette, available. Offensive skill players Leonard across Fournette, the board. Not, We've seen not available. Well, not available anymore. I was saying was available. I, I'm oh, talking about players who were available, sure, players sure, who are sure. available. Anyway, like, look, Ryan Pace has his team. And I'm trying to spin this as a good thing. I've always been an advocate of going out and grabbing any player that's available, right? Like, if you have a player out there who can make your team better – why not go and get him if it's for the right place, price? But, look, I think we've just seen that Ryan Pace, once he gets his team, he has his team and he sticks with it. He doesn't want to – he has his culture. The Bears are built on this culture and that locker room and the camaraderie they have. And I think we – you know, as Bears fans, we get so optimistic. Other than the Khalil Mack trade and, and a few other things, we get so optimistic that once one guy goes on the waiver wire, one guy turns a free agent, everyone tweets, sign him, sign him, sign him. Ryan Pace, get on it. What are you yeah. doing? Go sign this guy. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. And it, as much as I hate it, like, I think it's just, look, Ryan Pace gets his team. He's got his team. He doesn't want to mess with it. And this is who he's rolling with. And, and you, you're going to work with what you've got. And as much as I may disagree with strategy, that's the way it is for Ryan Pace. So I want to know your guys' thoughts on that because I feel like we see this time and time again. Yeah. And, Jake, uh, we've been just talk, like just talking nonstop, so I'll let you take this. No, I, I think Kevin's right. I, I like, I mean, there, you can only beat a dead horse so much, you know. Yeah. yeah. But how do you like? How do you just look at Leonard Fournette and say like, right, like Matt Nagy says, okay, we're with what we have. 
Like, how do you say that? Like, how do you possibly say that? And that's what I don't understand. Like, again, I, 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 okay, Ryan Pace, you have your strategy. This is the way you want to do it. But you have a guy there where you have a clear hole. It makes too much damn sense. He clears waivers. You can get him for a million dollars. Has no, does nothing to your I, I just, like, I think you're looking you look too at that high. And say, that's not what we want to do. I think you're just looking too high. I think because I think if you sign someone like Devonta Freeman or LaShawn McCoy, they're going to want the carries. And David Montgomery's your guy. So when he comes back week three and See, you I, install him as the lead back, and then LaShawn McCoy's is going to be sitting there like, all right, what the hell? What did I sign here for? Well, like, why do you have to be loyal to David Montgomery? I understand he's your third round pick, but if Leonard Fournette comes in, why? Like, who cares? Like, no, I don't care. Listen, I don't care if Dave Montgomery gets less carries. I don't feel a sense of loyalty. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm 100% with Kevin for this one reason. Okay, if you bring in Leonard Fournette, why does it have to be one or the other? Both of the guys can be involved, and you throw in yeah. Tariq Cohen. You throw in Cordero Patterson, who can also, you know, Swiss Army knife like we were talking about. It's just like I don't I don't see exactly what Kevin was saying was kind of my point the, this whole, you know, these past few weeks. Like, like why – like people's reasoning for not wanting to sign Leonard Fournette, this one guy on Twitter, I, I swear to God, I was like, what's the reason for Bears fans not wanting to sign Leonard Fournette? And he I literally used – David Montgomery. All he said was David Montgomery as one of the the reasons why. I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, th- you can have more than one good running back on a team. Like, it's not you're, – you're not going to get in trouble for doing that. Like, I, I'm just – it's so mind-boggling. Like, we're a team that's trying to win. That's what winning teams do. Winning teams make moves like that, you know? And it's – Exactly it's, right. Exactly right. I, I get that argument, but I think it just comes from a place of – Okay, look at it this way. You sign Leonard Fournette. You give him the keys to the car. All right, great. He's your lead back. Now you're looking at it like, all right, great. There's another third-round pick. There's another top three-round pick down the drain that you're not using that's sitting on the sidelines. When Then you're going to then you're gonna be – because then, then the conversation becomes, oh, well, if we were just going to sign one of these guys, why didn't we use that draft pick on a corner or on an offensive lineman? Or whatever, you know, so then it's it's just it's a lose lose situation. And it's also kind of and to counteract that argument, my own argument, you just say, oh, well, there's no way you could have known Leonard Fournette was going to be available. Sure. But there was a way you could have known Devonta Freeman or LaShawn McCoy would be available. So it's just a matter of, all right, why do we keep wasting these draft picks when, yeah, you hope that Dave Montgomery can one day be Leonard Fournette because they have that kind of just bolt, run you over, you can't tackle him running style. But yeah, it, it's just a why have that top draft pick and then why not allocate that money somewhere else or save that money for something else in case you have to sign someone else. I think I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the with the strategy they're taking at running back because – You've seen enough of Dave Montgomery. The tape is there from last preseason. You just need the offensive line because the same thing. If the offensive line doesn't it doesn't improve, Leonard Fournette isn't going anywhere either. If the offensive line and the quarterback play don't improve, LaShawn McCoy isn't getting any running room either. So, like you said, Kevin, you're you you guys. I mean, I think we all love Tariq Cohen here. You hope that you improve enough where you can make Tariq Cohen that weapon again. Then what's the point? I get having multiple threats. But it just becomes redundant at some point. I mean, I I get what you're saying. I I just I I still I, I don't agree. I I just like so what? So what if Dave Montgomery was a third round pick? Like I mean, so he's a good player on your team, and you add Leonard Fournette, who's another good player on your team, and I, I just. I just feel like it's almost this like sense of arrogance or sense of like Kevin said, like loyalty to where it's like, oh, we shouldn't bring in this guy because we already have a good player. And it's like I, I just like like just look at all the top teams like no, no top team like every top team uses multiple backs like out the backfield. It's just mm-hmm. it's just how it is now, you know, and, and teams, you know, the, the isn't it better to have. You know, th- that group of running backs include guys like David Montgomery, Leonard Fournette, Tariq Cohen. Like, I feel like if you have those guys in the backfield, I mean, you can do so many things with those three players. And I don't know. I, I get what you're saying, though, Jake. Like, like I, because NFL fans view everything as, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, if you're right. signed under Fournette, the, the, the headline will be, like, oh, do they not trust David Montgomery? And it's, like, it shouldn't be that way, but it is. I think it's contingent on the position. Of the 20 top 10 running backs in 2017, 
Only two, I think, are left with their team. In 2017, so you 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 look at that position like a third round like th- like David Montgomery was not a first rounder. He was not a second rounder. He was not a third rounder. Not very often are you expecting this third round running back to be your bell cow guy for the next five or even ne- next even three years. Like literally, we have the evidence that the longevity of running backs on their being the bell cow running back for their team is like no longer than three years. So I like I get I totally understand Jake. I totally understand your point and I get where you're coming from. But like strip it down. Like why why would you not want a better offensive player? Like we know like again and at the same uh, with the same argument like okay the quarterback's not playing well. You would have the option to give it to Leonard Fournette and Dave Montgomery a combined 50 times a game, like that, like those are that would literally be your option. And if you're yeah. so worried about the quarterback position, why wouldn't you just resort to that? So I mean, and now like let's say Trubisky sucks. Oh, let's go get Devonta Freeman because now we need to run the ball. Like I don't know if that would happen, but it's just I don't know, man. It's just kind of frustrating because we see this happen time and time again. X player goes on the waiver wire. X player goes unclaimed on waivers. X player becomes a free agent. And every Bears fan, including us, is on Twitter tapping our thumbs saying, Ryan Pace, go get this guy. He can make your team better for a cheap price. And he doesn't do it. So, again, I understand the strategy, but just, yeah, just, for, pers- just for perspective, okay, let's take a look at the team that did sign Leonard Fournette, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay? Who did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have? Let's go down the list, okay? They drafted Ronald Jones in, I believe, the second round a couple of years ago. So he's there. They drafted this year Kishon Vaughn out of Vanderbilt. Uh, so that's two running backs right there. They also signed LaShawn McCoy. So that's three, a guy that they just signed. And then to top it all off, they signed Leonard Fournette. Those are four guys that could be involved in pretty much any offense. I'm not saying workhorse backs, but those are guys that could you know potentially be getting some meaningful carry and it's like there's four of them there so I mean I I wouldn't be surprised if one of them were to be let go because it's just crowded but I mean that's what good teams do man you got to open up your options it's like you know David Montgomery goes down during the season for you know three four weeks that could be your ass right there Mm -hmm. I just think I just think it's also we're we're stripping it down to to the very bolts of it. Sure. It's also that you know there's so much more that goes into a decision in all sports, not even just football. Of sure. uh, all right, what's our cap situation like? Which we know the Bears isn't great. Which I mean should not be a precursor should bar you from signing someone to a two million dollar contract. But you know there's that, and then there's also like Fournette. Also, I don't love because of the injury history, but yeah. also then look you look at Tampa. And Tampa is in such a prime position to have that many guys because they were not paying anybody for the longest time. Yeah. And so they were able to sign Brady and Gronk and Fournette and, and McCoy. And, you know, shout out former Illini Keyshawn Vaughn. He's amazing. And I think he's going to be great in Tampa. If I had to bet, I would probably be that Jones ends up on the low end of that totem pole. But you know, Tampa's in that position to do that. And, you know, and Bruce Arians is that guy where he loves having all those running backs. Bruce Arians loves having as many running backs as possible. Yeah. That's always been yeah. his thing. Um, so I, I just think that it's different. It's not as black and white as you need him, go get him. So, Fair. yeah, I mean, would it be nice at the end of the day? Yes. But the end of the day, this is what we have. This is what we're working with. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Fair enough. whatever. Um, Man, we haven't even talked about the defense yet. Um, moving to There's the just defense. a few quick things on the defense. Yeah, well, I mean, one thing that Chris is going to be upset about. Chris is going to be upset. Oh, yeah. yeah. Chris, just just go in on it, man. Go in on it. I mean, chalk. I, my main point was going to be that, you know, everyone, you know, that's the main part for me. Bilal Nichols yeah. is healthy. You know, you had the Eddie Goldman opt out, but... Everyone's healthy. Akeem's healthy. Boal Nichols is healthy. Coyle Max healthy. Roquan Smith is healthy. Danny Trevathan's healthy. So that was my main thing. Just there's no like crazy injury. Yeah. Somebody's gonna be out for two months. Yeah. No, that that's that's very true. Um, I did want to hit on one thing. Um, I'll talk about what Kevin's talking about. We'll talk about that to end this. But um, like, do you guys do you guys look at the cornerbacks? Like, are you guys confident? Because after 
Uh, After B- Buster Screen, I mean, you're it's Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor, and we haven't seen much of either. Um, so, like, what do you guys think about that? I'm 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 not openly confident. I'm cautiously optimistic, maybe, considering the fact that Duke Shelley, uh, you know, made the roster, is listed where he's at. We didn't see a lot from him in 2019. You know, maybe there's something there. Uh, I, I'm not confident, but it, it's like as much as I don't know. As much as I liked, and we liked Kevin Tolliver, like I don't think I don't think the needle goes either direction. Whether it's Kevin Tolliver and Duke Shelley, whether it's Duke Shelley and Kevin Vildor, whether it's Kendra Vildor and Kevin Tolliver, like the mismatch or like the like any way you slice it with those three players, like I don't see like as confident than you know any other way. So I, I like the whole room in general, yes, but I'm not that I'm not completely i'm cautiously optimistic but i'm i'm just saying like it doesn't change as much for me i think kevin Tolliver should have kept on the roster but it doesn't change as much for me whether it was kelvin Tolliver or another guy do you know what i mean by that yeah like yeah, yeah. do you feel I, differently i mean if you're if you're are you including kevin Tolliver with shelley and builder yeah i mean yeah i feel like i do just because i just because i think kevin Tolliver has kind of proved it um at least a little bit I, I look i get the whole attitude thing and that was the whole thing he, he just didn't have the you know he didn't have the drive yeah. supposedly he was missing meetings this and that but i mean like it's just we're we're talking about practice here man like we <laughs> really are and it's just i i get it. it's a discipline thing it's a discipline thing and you know if it really if they cut him because of that, it, there's it had to have been bad. Um, but it, it's it sucks, man. It sucks. He had so much talent, all the talent in the world, and like, you know, this goes back to to what was coming out about him. You know, peop, this is the reason why he went undrafted. I mean, this guy was one of the coming out of high school. I believe he was a top five player nationally, top five or top ten at worst. And I mean, he was a five star corner coming out. Nobody questions his ability. I think he just needs that drive, and um, you know, hopefully he can he can find a role in Denver because I really do think Kevin Tolliver is extremely talented. Um, but you know, if they felt like that to let him go, then then you know, I trust them. I think this is kind of like what we were talking about with the wide receivers, where there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of closed practices that we haven't seen, and we heard good things about Duke Shelley last year. We yeah. heard good things like, oh, he could see some playing time. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's long. He's athletic. He could, you know, see the field a little bit in a pinch. Um, and now you have another year. He's been around these guys. He's been around Kyle Fuller. He's been around Buster Screen. He's been around Prince of Mukamaro. Like, I, I think that says a lot about what the coaching staff feels about him and whatever improvements he might have made in practice. So I am interested to see him. I mean, for me, though, I think Jalen Johnson just straight up being listed as the second outside cornerback. I think that's very encouraging, too. Um, So I I, I like that. I think the corners room is something to keep an eye on, though. I I understand the concern, but um, to answer Kevin's earlier question, no, it doesn't really move the needle for me, Duke Shelley, to Kevin Tolliver. Fair. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, just, just to clarify, what Kevin wanted me to rip into was the whole Kevin Tolliver thing. So <laughs> we, just, we, we just hit on that. Yeah. Uh, a couple other just quick hits. Like we said, there wasn't much to talk about on the defense. Our guy, Josh Woods, listed as the backup uh, inside Whoa! linebacker behind Rokon Smith. So Josh Woods, congrats to you, man. Earns it. Uh, definitely deserves it. Um, also, this is kind of interesting. Sherrick McManus is listed as a safety uh, for the long, and he's mostly a special teamer. That's why the Bears have kept him around for what eight years now, so a long time. Um, and he's always proved his worth on special teams. But now this is a safety behind Eddie Jackson, which is interesting. Um, hopefully, you don't see him that much there because ideally, you have Tayshawn Gibson and Eddie Jackson for the whole year, and that just sprinkled Deion Bush in there a little bit. Um, kind of the same with DeAndre Houston Karsten just basically a special teams guy. So hopefully that all stays where it is and we don't have to see too much of them. But um, Sherrick McManus, I like him. He's a good locker room guy. Um, But again, he's a bear, man. Yeah. Back to my first point though. Everybody's healthy. Nobody's in a cast. Nobody's in a boot. 
and you're six days from the season. I count that as an enormous win given, you know, last year you had Bilal Nichols with a broken hand. The year before that, somebody was in a cast or something. I can't remember who. So I count it as a win. Just no, yeah. nobody move for the next six days. Yeah, everyone just hazmat suited up and just, you know, don't <laughs> yeah. even don't even take a chance, man. Don't even take Agreed. a chance. We need these guys healthy. Agreed. And yeah. then uh, special teams, there's nothing. Cairo Santos got cut, as our guy Adam Abdallah uh, rightfully predicted. Um, and it's the same guys. Pat O'Donnell still. Patrick Scale still there. And then Patterson and Cohen on the returns. So chalk there. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, we're here, boys. Six days, depth charts out. Not much to complain about, but, of course, there's always something to complain about. But, as always, it's been great. I'm excited. Um, We have something very big coming down the pipe later this week uh, when we do our full season preview. So stay tuned for that for sure because I think a lot of you guys are going to want to listen to this. It's a very exciting interview, a very special guest that we're going to have on. Um, it's not Josh Lyles. I know you're all clamoring for his return, but it is somebody that a lot of you know and a lot of you are familiar with. Uh, some of you love him. Some of you love to hate him. Polarizing figure in Chicago media. Very excited to potentially, hopefully, probably have him on Wednesday for our full season preview. So thank you all for listening. Kevin and Chris, always a good time to talk to you guys. We will be back on Wednesday or Thursday later in the week. But as always, bear down. And we will see you later this week. Bear down. Bear down.